Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Bonjour, Konnichiwa. Good day, eh? Hola, como esta? Good day, mate. Uden tag was popping. It's me, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself, Zay. Of course, I got my man, Young Vander, with me on the line. Highlight the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And Bro Joe. What's good? What's good? Fantasy Football Fiend family, I hope you guys are having a great week. We're preparing for for what's about to pop off. We got your news for you. We have uh, your tentative moves that may need to be made. Some people may need to pivot based on current injuries or projected injuries, all that kind of good stuff. We're definitely going to make sure we leave no stone unturned for you guys. That being said, let's go ahead and hop into your news. And now your fantasy news. We got a ton of news. I'm not exactly sure if there's a trend in the league or what's going on here. But these calf injuries are just plaguing like so many teams, especially Cleveland Browns. I mean, it looks like Kareem Hunt now has a calf injury that took him out of yesterday's game. Nick Chubb was already out due to a calf injury. So I don't know if it's something that they got going on in Cleveland, maybe the field or, or, or what. But um, we have an ankle injury with Kareem Hunt. I'm not exactly sure if this is going to be long-term term or uh, how much trouble Cleveland may be in or both of their starting running backs may be out. Did you guys see any updates or anything on this? I think they're going to be some uh, test run today as far as Kareem Hunt. We already know that Chubb will be out for a number of games. And the way uh, it looked uh, yesterday, I think I can very well see uh, Hunt definitely missing the next game. I'm not sure the extent of the injury, but I don't definitely see him playing this week. Yeah, luckily his injury wasn't an ACL, so that's great. But I think he's going to miss quite a few games in addition to Chubb. Just like I was alluding to last week, yeah, like you said, like it's crazy with these these calves and sh- uh, shin injuries. We have Latavius Murray, who also has an ankle injury. Kadarius Tony ankle injury. Both of them ended up leaving their prospective games due to their injuries. Again, we don't have an update yet on when they may be returning or if this is just a you know a happenstance during the game and they should be good for their next game so as we get that information we'll make sure we get it out to you i make sure that you're following us on facebook that's normally the first place that we post news and things of that nature that's at the fantasy football fiend family facebook group we also get that information out on ig as well that's fantasy football fiend f E-I-N on Instagram and fantasy underscore fiend at Twitter. So make sure you hit us up and pay attention to those social media sites. We'll make sure that you have all of your up-to-date information. Um, We have OBJ with a shoulder injury. He was five for eight for 79 yards in the outing on Sunday. Baker Mayfield 
same situation, shoulder injury. Uh, his arm is now in a sling, but he's indicating that he's going to be ready to go for Thursday. Just a continuation of the same injury from the dislocated shoulder and labrum issue that he had in his none throwing shoulder. The Cleveland Browns lost Sunday, 37 to 14. How do we feel about these injuries? Um, it, it, Cleveland is, is getting hit pretty hard. Uh, quarterback, number one wide receiver, number one and number two wide receiver. Landry should be in route back. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. I mean, they're going to be without some of their best players for quite a bit of time. How, where do we see the needle pointing? Are they going to be able to maintain or is this going to be a prelude to the end? I think the defense may determine how well this team does moving forward. Um, they have a pretty solid defense and maybe they can keep them in some ball games. But like you said, I mean, they've losing like most of their top weapons. A guy I do like fantasy-wise would probably be Demetric Felton. You guys may could pick him up on your waiver. He has a two-position uh, designation, so he listed as a wide receiver and a running back. So this may be a guy like that Cordero Patterson situation where you can maybe use as a third receiver or a flex. So that's somebody to look forward to uh, probably moving forward in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And they may actually have to use him as a wide receiver and a running back based on who's available right now. So you may need to look at picking him up and picking the guy behind him up because they're going to need a wide receiver and a running back at this point. So that's going to be definitely a situation to monitor. And that's something that we will give you our start of the week and sneaky starts on this Thursday. So make sure that you take a listen to the show that we record on Thursday. Antonio Gibson, he has now to add on to the shin injury, a calf injury. And that sidelined him. And when his backup came in, J.D. McKissick, J.D. was actually able to hold serve. So if you happen to put him in as a dart throw this weekend, J.D. McKissick did come through for you. How are we feeling right now about the outlook of Antonio Gibson? He's almost in that same spot to me as Kittle, where I'm almost hoping that they keep him out a game or two just so he can get right versus every week adding something to his list of injuries. I agree with you totally. This is a guy that need to let seal the shift for a little while and and get back to 100% versus playing them at 70, 75, you know what I mean? One of those things. So, you know, those lower those lower leg injuries, man, you know what I'm saying? They It's hitting the league pretty hard, and he definitely Absolutely. got it that needs to, like, uh, heal completely before they run him out there again. Yeah, with, with him, I think it's even more than just a game. we got to be looking at four to six games. Because he has a fracture, if yeah, hairline fracture. any further, he, he might miss the rest of the season if they don't take the precautions and sit in them. Yeah, I, I forgot about that hairline fracture. It's not it's not just a pain tolerance type thing. He actually has a fracture um, in his leg. I'm not sure if that led to the calf injury or not. It, a lot of times they say um, if you have one injury and you're trying to compensate for it, you'll end up injuring other parts of the body. So I'm not sure if it was one connected to the other or two completely isolated incidents. But Antonio Gibson may need a little bit of rest to get back to what we know he can be. Down in Miami, they took a little bit of a tumble uh, this past weekend. But the most interesting thing, fantasy-wise, to me was they are they're 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 kind of getting kind of cute with their running back situation. In my humble opinion, Miles Gask is by far the best running back there. But Salvin uh, Ahmed actually led the team in carries. Uh, he had seven carries to twenty-two yards. Nothing to write home about. Both. Malcolm Brown and Miles Gaskin had five carries. So they're legit a full committee, which is what 
Coach Brian Flores said they would be at the beginning of the season, but then he kind of had the hot hand approach more so than a full committee. But we have Salvin Ahmed, who again led the team with seven carries for only 22 yards. Nothing that tells me he should keep the job. But when Brown and when Gaskins came out there and they had the heavier end of the workload, they were able to do a little bit more with it. So at this point, I'm I'm almost hands off with this backfield until there's some type of an injury or there's a designation as to who the coach doesn't have, you know, on the hot seat. One word, mess. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really want, there's nothing else that need to be said about that situation. Ridiculous. We got uh, T.Y. Hilton, who came back from the neck injury to play the team that really didn't want to see him on the field. He crushes Houston every single time he gets out there, and it looked like he was en route to doing so again. Uh, but now he has a quad injury, um, so he had the neck injury. He added a quad injury to that. We don't know what his status is, whether or not he'll be able to go this coming week. I want to say that his quad injury, if I'm not mistaken, took him out of the game. It wasn't just something that popped up at the end of it all. That, that's another other situation to monitor this coming week will be the first week that michael thomas is eligible to return do we think that he is actually going to return and if he does return do we see him immediately becoming the favorite target of Jameis winston kind of uh, increasing the stature of the saints offense or is it going to take him a while to get back into football shape and we shouldn't be too overzealous i think both are correct it's definitely going to take him a while to get back into shape, but I definitely see him coming in being the favorite target of Jameis because, I mean, he's clearly the most talented. That's a no-brainer. And we know the kind of quarterback Jameis is, you know, once he finds that guy, he will zero in on him. So I can see this guy getting double-digit targets once he get his feet back under him. And uh, just, I mean, he's the best player on the team at the receiver position. I mean, so. So even though we think it's going to take him a second to work his way back in, is that an right. indication that from day one he should be straight for fantasy because they're going to pepper him with targets? Uh, I don't know about day one. We, he may do the same thing like how we seen T.Y. Hilton came in yesterday, you know, come in, play a limited amount of snaps, maybe get that full five targets, you know, just getting the rust off, getting back in the game shape. But at least by the third week, maybe mm -hmm. second to third week, I definitely start seeing that that number getting to that, that double-digit range. And lastly, with Mike Thomas, is this a guy that you want to go get now, if possible? Or do you want to maybe let him come in and have that rusty game and hope that the the owner will combine the amount of weeks that he didn't have to use him and then maybe take what he can get for him? Like, how, if, if Michael Thomas is, in your view, as far as someone that you want to go after, how would you go about doing it? Well, hopefully, if you was a smart owner, you'd have had this guy just sitting in your IR spot the whole season and you already have him. But if not, go ahead and grab him while he still has an IR tag on him and just sit him in your IR spot and then let him become active while he's still sitting in that spot. Nine times out of ten, I haven't seen him on too many waivers. So he's on somebody's roster right, right. now. So if he doesn't happen to be on yours, what would be your what would be your approach to go get him? Uh, you definitely want to buy low. If you want, if if you have Michael Thomas in your sight, buy low, but don't let don't let him get out there on the stage and, and perform. You know, it's like gambling. You know, I would rather not know what he's going to give me versus let him get out there because he already has the name behind him, right? So if he goes out there and he has eight catches for one twenty and a touchdown, you can forget it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody going to look at him as the Michael Thomas of old again. That he always has been. You know what I mean? Right. So I'd rather buy low now before anybody sees anything. And say, hey, I have, uh, you know how I do it. Bundle some guys up with some names that maybe 
are performing or some guys with not too many good names, maybe like a Manuel Sanders, somebody that's has some decent numbers. So and you would trade Manny for for Michael hell Thomas yeah. and hopes that okay. Hell yeah. What what, what sure. tier of running back would you be willing to trade for a one up situation? I, I give with the with the news right now, I give JD McKissick up for him. Because what, what, what would be if, the highest level of running back that you would JD be the highest level of running back? Probably because of okay. the situation. He's look like he's gonna be the starter. Gibson could very well be out for a number of games. So okay. that may be enticing to an owner. Like, okay, I can take this. Everybody know he catches the ball and everything in the backfield. So I use that as my, you know, leading to a trade like that. Makes a whole lot of sense. Then this past week or on yesterday that I'm neglecting to bring up. It's always something that we figure out later on in the show. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot that dude. <laughs> Dak was hurt. But I think he Dak. might be okay. Yeah, um, they said that if the game had to continue, that he would have been able to continue. Um, and they also indicated that he's in no danger for next week. So, but yeah, Dak had, I want to say his was a calf injury too, if I'm not mistaken. He had a whole boot on at the press conference. Yeah, so it, man, um, these calves are, are, are causing a whole bunch of ruckus out here. But get, get saved there for me, Joe. I appreciate you, sir. Oh, I just want to add to the Mike Thomas debacle. He is such a great athlete that we could even see him coming out of the bye week, uh, putting up numbers. So I think, like you said, you got to approach Michael Thomas as if he's in peak form because he is a 99 percentile athlete. So I would encourage people to, yes, it may take him a few games, but it's more likely than not he's already conditioned based upon the levity of, you know, off season and what they've been actually doing, though they don't publicize it. He's been conditioning the whole time with the team. So would you say that Michael Thomas day one is a wide receiver, high end three, low end two, and within two weeks or so, he'll be the wide receiver one that we know and love? Or how, how would you classify his status as a wide receiver going in going into his first weekend and then throughout the rest of the season? Well, I think, you know, with him, it's, it's so hard because, like I said, like just knowing his work ethic and what he's known to do. Um, and then the, even though he had to have like the surgery to correct everything, he was already uh, approaching running a few weeks into it. So I think he's more than healthy. I think they might use him in some situations as a decoy, but in the red zone, they're going to favor him in targeting him. And Winston had great rapport with him, so I think that's the the thing, the leading into it. Even though he only had all, close to 500 yards last year, we did see what he looked like healthy, and uh, that's promising. So I think, like you said, it's going to be one of those situations. The first week, I think he might have, you know, he might run probably 50 or so routes and, and primarily be – a decoy and a blocker, but that second, third game is, is fair game. And he could go off just the first game by itself. So I think it's a, a wait and see, honestly. But I would definitely sacrifice maybe a RB2 for him, my personal opinion. I like it. I like it. And that about wraps up your news. We have three quarterbacks in our legit or quick segment. First up, Teddy Bridgewater, who was 35 for 49. 334 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions versus Las Vegas. They took an L in this one, but it was not due to lack of effort in Teddy's return from his concussion. 
However, his offensive line allowed him to get hit close to 20 times. And I don't know if you know much about Teddy, but he's not the most durable guy out there. So my question is, it seems as if when he's out there, he's able to put up numbers, move the offense. Do we believe that Teddy Bridgewater twofold is going to be able to continue the trend of the numbers that he puts up where his volume is able to overcome his interceptions and do we think that he can make it throughout the season with the amount of hits that he's currently taking is teddy legit and his trend is likely to continue as long as he's not out due to injury or are his current numbers due to volume likely to quit i must say he's legit as long as he's healthy but again like i always talk about teddy you know what you're getting i mean i don't think it's gonna his cup is not gonna runneth over and it's not gonna be completely empty. Like he's gonna sit right there at that line. You know what he's bringing to the table. Uh, he does have some weapons coming back. Uh, Jerry Judy should be back uh, very soon, and we may see a transition as far as in the backfield where Javante Williams may take more hold of the offense, which can also help. With Teddy, I just I mean you just know what you're gonna get. He's never gonna give you Mahomes numbers, but he's never gonna give you. Zach Wilson numbers, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just going to be sitting okay. right there in the middle somewhere, and that's just what it's going to be. He's a holding-in-the-road guy. That, he that's, may have some that, up weeks, but he's going to have some down right. weeks. He'll hold it in the road as long as he helps. Correct. If I had him, I'm selling him <laughs> all the way. I mean, let's look at the rest of the schedule real quick, right? So he got Cleveland, Washington, Cowboys, Eagles, then a bye week. Then he has Chargers, Kansas City. We're going to skip over the Lions. Who cares about them? Bengals, Raiders, Chargers, Kansas City. I don't think he's going to hold up. I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. The the names that you just gave in that schedule, they tell me that he's going to be in a dogfight kind of like he was in this past weekend. Maybe that may be the formula to get the points that you want out of Teddy Bridgewater because I don't think the Broncos are just innately going to make it a passing game unless they feel like they're going to lose unless he doesn't put up points. And all those teams that you just mentioned, they have a pretty decent offense. Now, Cleveland uh, everybody's hurt, so who knows how that's going to go. That, that may be a, a, a low-scoring, you know, knockdown, drag-out, run-the-ball-a-whole-lot type of a game. But all the other teams that you mentioned, they put up points. So I don't necessarily see it as a, a, a negative per se. Oh, no. I'm more so alluding to the pass rush. Let's take Kansas City, obviously, gotcha. and the Lions okay. out. This dude is going to be under a lot of duress. And look what he did. He, I got he you. threw three touchdowns and over 300 yards. He also threw three interceptions. Right. So if you're in one of those leagues where you get penalized heavily for interceptions, then it may have nullified some of the good work that he did. What are you about to say, Barry? I tell you what, though. I see it differently. Joe just read that schedule. Yeah, it's tough. But, man, down the road, that playoff schedule looked extremely sweet to me. I mean, so you see the teams that he's playing when it's time for the playoffs, man. In a two-quarterback league, I may be okay with running Teddy Bridgewater because the teams that he's playing, when it comes playoff time, it looks ideal to me. So, yeah, it's tough, but if he can make it uh, health-wise through those teams, man, he got a, a sweet schedule down the stretch. The Ravens sounded sweet, too, but uh, I think he got concussed in that game. Raiders sounded sweet, and they pumbled him 20 times, and that's my only point to yeah, where, I mean, I, like, statistically, I love him. Like, he just threw, like, he was down, came back and threw – crazy yards hitting them up throwing dots i love his tangibles as a player but fantasy like you said if it's not a two quarterback i don't trust him this is the best week to shop him because i don't think he can physically handle what's coming up it's not that i don't think he'll throw like a the touchdowns and all those stuff 
wide receivers is going to be really high this second half, this, this second half of the season. I just don't think he'll stand up. Looking at the same game, we have Derek Carr, who was 18 for 27, 341 yards, two touchdowns. The thing with Derek Carr that I want to kind of dig into whether or not it's legit or not. Derek Carr has been kind of labeled as a dinker and dunker throughout his career, but his average depth of target seems to be increasing. And this may just be due to the amount of weapons that he currently has. And likewise, his previous stats may be, may have been to what he did not have access to previously. Um, he had two passes in particular in this game where he had a 48-yarder to Ruggs, and then he had a 51-yarder that honestly could have been a touchdown to Edwards. That that could have been like a 70-yard touchdown to Edwards. He ended up going out of bounds. He just got tapped enough to kind of get off balance and ended up out of bounds. But do we think that Derek Carr's current trend, where he's actually letting the ball go, is going to continue, which would bode well for both Ruggs and Edwards. We know Waller is going to be Waller, and Winfrey's going to get his, you know, six to eight targets a game but do we see the trend continuing where Derek Carr is getting you know these downfield targets way downfield yeah uh it's funny though Waller hasn't been Waller for one he hasn't but, but uh I like Derek Carr moving forward his now his schedule is amazing if you look at it um he playing against all these teams that's horrible against the quarterback he you know Derek Carr to me is the west coast Matt Ryan they're the same person I can see that I mean, like, you know what I mean? I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's just always been stuck in the wrong situations. I, this is a guy I wish Shanahan could get his hands on. I think if Shanahan had Carr as a quarterback, we we have a lot more respect for him. But I do see him uh, being successful, you know, letting the ball go a little bit because their run game has been real choppy. So I definitely could see him uh, performing very well moving forward. I'm a big fan of Derek Carr. I think the biggest difference for him is just that thinking part of Gruden's offense, he had to really pretty much, it was Waller or else. We finally get to see other skill position players step up and uh, contribute to the offense. And he statistically, though it doesn't show, he did really well under even Gruden's offense last year when he was under scrutiny. I think he's the better version of his brother in the sense where he was brought into an organization that was in disarray, took a lot of hits, didn't have a lot of weapons, not even a defense behind them, but acts to do a lot. And with Gruden's system too, it's, it's one of those systems you don't get right away, it's just like uh, Arians. Uh, but I think he's playing at an elite level. I wish it was more touchdowns to show that. I think if, as Josh Jacobs get healthy, and like you alluded to the schedule, this is, I would want him on my team for the playoffs, to be honest with you. Our last quarterback to speak of, we have Sam Donald, who was 17 for 41, 207 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, 48 rushing yards, and a 34 to 28 loss. In this game, his accuracy was just all over the place. It, it really reminded me of what he used to be, and it felt like he's going back to some of his old habits. Sam Donald is one of those guys that I don't know that he can continue the, the trend that he had at the beginning of the season. He's on a two-game slide right now where 49% pass completion rate is no bueno, and, and it's showing in the fantasy stats of some of his better players. I really believe that um, Christian McCaffrey was kind of the uh, the solve, if you will, that covered up quite a bit for this team. I honestly believe that Christian McCaffrey made that ride look a whole lot funner than it actually was. And now they're now now you're seeing what they would look like if they didn't have that particular superstar. So with Sam Donald, is he going to get back to what we saw? 
if only by default, because Christian McCaffrey should be, you know, coming back right around the corner. But is this team and this quarterback going to be more of what we saw the first couple of games than what we've saw these last couple of games? He has a few favorable games coming up. They have Atlanta. They have New York Giants. So it's definitely possible he can get back to, you know, what we've seen earlier. But again, I mean, you expect the guy to go out here and play without the best player on the team. Not only that, it's an offense that's geared around the best player on the team. So that's one difference also. Not only the best player is missing, but the whole offense is geared around him. You're definitely going to see an effect. I still, in a two-quarterback league, would buy low on Sam Darnold and uh, just pick and play. You know what I'm saying? He does have some favorable games coming up, but he also has some tough games coming up. So it's going to be a few games where we may see the old Sam Darnold when he runs into the Patriots, maybe when he runs into the Cardinals, the Bills. But he also has Washington, Atlanta a couple times, you know, Miami. So he does have some favorable games also. He's a quit, but not as a player, but more so what's around him. He has two great, well, good uh, tackles, but he has no interior linemen. And as teams are learning to stop the run, they're committing a lot to definitely get more involved in like the B gap, A gap kind of situations. And we're seeing now like you get, you collapse the pocket on him. He's very erratic, but he also has the tangibles to play really well. But I don't see that changing for them in the future, even with the McCaffrey. He also is missing uh, Dan Arnold, though he didn't catch, you know, a lot in that system. He was an outstanding blocker too. He kind of alleviated a lot, which led to the success of DJ Moore early on in the season. But no, I, I just... As a player, he's good, but he's a quit as far as fantasy for me. Going into our wide receivers for legit or quit. First up is a familiar name that Vander has been kind of putting us on to for the last couple of weeks. A.J. Green was 5 for 6, so consistently getting that 6 target, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And he actually led the team in receiving yards this week uh, with the 79 yards and, again, a touchdown. A.J. Green never lost his ability to be a good wide receiver. He just wasn't healthy. And for me, A.J. Green may be one of those guys that you might want to figure out a way to, you know, get some window dressing out there, like you said, as far as trying to get like a Javante Williams last week. That may be a guy that you either, if you don't already have, you may want to try to put something together, grab him, because he's an every week start unless he's not healthy. And if he's not healthy, well, you just sit him on your bench. No, no, no harm, no foul. But as of right now, he's looking to be one of the most consistent wide receivers out there right now for fantasy. And he, he really shouldn't cost you too much to grab him unless people really truly start to realize what he has going and what that offense in Arizona has going. So this is going to be pretty interesting. Now, it is also his third touchdown of the year. He's averaging a touchdown every other game, but he's getting six targets just about every game um, with a decent amount of yards. So is this trend likely to continue or is it likely to quit? I think the trend is definitely likely to continue. Um, like you said, he's getting those six targets a game, but he's catching five or six of those balls. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> so he's very consistent. And it's funny, the guy that you can, you're going to try to sell this guy to, you're going to have to show him this. The same way I had to kind of tell y'all guys about it because everybody kind of forgot about AJ Green and nobody's paying attention because this guy's only rostered in 44% of Yahoo leagues. So people are not really paying attention. So you really, you really got to show somebody the numbers and say, hey, look at this. You know, hey, maybe this one of those days you can put with McKissick and go get Michael Thomas I was talking about. You see what I'm saying? But so, would you? Would you want to? For it's, sure. It's, I would, okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gambling man. I'll... 
package AJ Green and JD McKissick and say, give me Michael Thomas and see if somebody bites it. You know what I mean? So I would definitely try it because I know the talent level and the, the, the amount of targets that Michael Thomas would see versus AJ Green seeing. Okay, so, so here, here's the here's the issue that I need you to help me with and our fans with. The name isn't set. You go ahead, you put him in the trade, right? The, well, but, the name is sexy. It's just not anymore, right? It's uh, it's uh, it's lackluster. It, it, yeah. it's not quite as it's not quite as like you know uh, the name fashion as it used you, to be. You do you know, know the, the name. name but you just haven't seen it in a while. Like you know the you know the name Playboy, but when the last time you seen a Playboy magazine? True. You know what I mean? So yeah, the name is good. It's just that. So that's why you have to you got whoever you you negotiate with, you got to steer them and say, well, check these numbers out. But no, 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 no. See, see, I'm coming from the opposite side of that. Okay, let's hear it. So what my issue is, people might not have AJ Green in the forefront of their mind at the moment. Mm -hmm. But if I attempt to come grab him from you and you go ahead and you throw him in that trade and then it shows you X amount of points. And then you see the name that I'm trying to throw you that's sexier than AJ Green's name currently is. Right. But you see that they have 30 points less. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe I need to re-examine this thing here because uh, this guy might be a little bit better than than what I'm getting back in return. So how do you how do you navigate that when because, you know, if you're a halfway decent fantasy player and you ask for a guy, that's going to immediately make someone kind of examine what it is they have because they know that certain people don't ask for players frivolously. So my question is, how do you not cause alarm to that person that you're asking A.J. Green from and end up shooting yourself in the foot and having to pay too much? Well, see, A.J. Green is the, I told you, you hold a carrot in one hand and then you have the other thing in the other hand. So J.D. McKissick may be the carrot to get Michael Thomas, right, for instance. No, See no, no. No, you're misunderstanding me. Okay. What I'm talking about is if you're going to get A.J. Green, not if you're trying to sell him to get Oh, so else. somebody coming to me for A.J. Green. Yes, you have A.J. Green, and right. I want him from you. Right. And, I, and I'm trying to not pay you what his points say he should probably be worth. It, it's too late at this point. Yeah, I mean, we in week six. I mean, so, you know. You yeah, have... but I mean, think about it this way. Until you spoke up last week, that surprised the shit out of me. Right. So, <laughs> so, right. So but how if, do you. But if you're coming to me, then you know also. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah you know what I know. That's so, that's you know, true. a lot of times these guys can perform for a week or two and everybody like, you know, it's a boom or bust type of situation where you're like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, hey, get this guy. And you're like, but we six weeks in. So, you know, I, I've had enough to show. You know what I mean? The resume you can see now. This is consistent. He's consistently doing this. He's on a high-powered offense. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So Possibly the highest-powered offense. At this now, don't point. get me wrong. I'm not going to ask you for Cooper Cup or something crazy. Right. But, you know, I definitely see he's a consistent wide receiver three for sure. Okay, so, you, so that's where you have him. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. Consistent wide receiver three. So if you have a guy that's either not performing with a bigger name that I know maybe can have a, a, a more favorable schedule down the stretch – or like I said, a Michael Thompson. I may roll the dice on that. Even a Jerry Judy. I may roll the dice on mm. something like that. Like, okay, I know Another he's coming name. back. He should be coming back this week. Right. Next. So you may, I may, you may say, hey, what's up with AJ? I may say, hey, give me Judy. And so, with Max Williams being out, he, he I want to say, is the largest uh, oh, zone target. But let's point. not forget something else we didn't talk about in the news. You know, it always comes up. Zach Ertz is now a Cardinal. Oh man, you know. What? So I'm not sure. We we, we definitely skimmed <laughs> over not, that. But yes, we skimmed over that. Yeah, this, does, it may be the best time to sell them. Right. Now, does that consistency and targets go down a little bit because Zach Ertz could pot? I mean, they didn't go get this guy to not use him. I can tell you that. Right. 
So, I mean, Zach Ertz may now be that red zone guy that may make A.J. Green's red zone targets go down a little bit. They have a ton of pass catchers. The, the only thing I can say is if if anyone is willing to sell you Kyler Murray, figure it out. Uh, I, I think although they're still the only undefeated team in the NFL, they're still speaking up on some people, which is, is kind of kind of crazy but yeah that, that that's going to be interested in arizona and i don't i believe it was for like a, a cornerback and like a late round pick or something like that nothing much uh to, to to pay for someone of that elk as long as he can stay healthy but i mean he's only getting six targets so i don't see Ertz maybe really cutting into his targets per, he may cut into some other guys targets but it's not like he's, he's only getting six so i wouldn't be alarmed as far as the targets i mean i think he'll still get those five or six and just make the most of them like he's been doing Love it. Uh, we got Scary Terry, who hasn't been very frightening in the last couple games. Um, he had four four of eight for 28 yards um, and a 31 to 13 loss against Kansas City. Now, going into this game, it was noted that he had a possible hamstring injury. I'm not sure if this is something that may have contributed to the lackluster game. Um, but Heineke didn't have much of a game either with 182 yards, one touchdown. Um, now, this is two consecutive quiet games from Terry McLaurin. So um, is this legit? Um, and it's a, a symptom of the overall disease of Washington not being who we thought they were going to be this year? Or is this likely to quit sometime in the near future? Oh, man, I like Terry McLaurin's skill set. But again, like I told you, he doesn't have the the quarterback that he he needs that he can really take advantage and get to that next step. So, um, uh, man, Heineke is just not the answer for this guy. So, me personally, I think if you can sell Terry, I would sell him. Again, like we've seen in our league, I think selling him for a Calvin Ridley yep. is a sweet move. Uh, yeah, I thought so, especially when I got Burrow out of it. So. Right. So, if you got a Calvin Ridley who hasn't really been performing to uh, his ADP, the name like Terry McLaurin, who's who has more output, a guy may be more willing to give you that. So I definitely would make a move like that because this guy has the better quarterback. And maybe when he comes off of this bye week, he'll be, you know, reset and rejuvenated and get back to the Cavalry that we know. So, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking and hoping for when I made that deal. And also You try to uh, win the league too, bro. You when you see me that I'm like, yo, if this guy had Devontae, Cooper Cup, and really, like just cancel Christmas with the running backs that you have and the quarterbacks you have, I'm like, Zay, I, mean, I get it. But no. I, okay, but with that being said, <laughs> in a vacuum, in a vacuum situationally, okay, I get you. But in a vacuum, that wasn't a bad offer. Especially to someone that Yo. didn't have a, a QB for the week. I'm just saying. Look at we, man. We, we we won't jump off too far into our um, <laughs> personal endeavors, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get you. You definitely want to play both offense and defense right now, though. I, I'm I'm kind of in a position in that league where I, I'm I'm playing catch up, but I, I'll definitely get there. One of the wide receivers that we actually spoke about a little bit earlier, as it pertained to Derek Carr, is in legit or quit in and of himself um henry ruggs if you remember in the draft season i told you that vegas had him at 1100 yards and we were both like i don't see how that's gonna happen and i was just like yeah but if vegas if vegas is putting this prop there and they don't want to lose their shirt they know something that we don't and at this point i'm starting to see the something this guy if as long as car can continue to throw him the ball he seems to be able to, even when he's covered, 
get open um, when, when we're talking about deep. I mean, he has he only had he normally averages somewhere around four or five targets, but he caught three of those four targets for 97 yards and a touchdown. One of one of those targets was a, a 48 yarder. Um, so, I mean, he's highly efficient. He averages 40 yards per catch. I'm going to say that again. He's averaging, averaging 40 yards per catch. Do we think Ruggs is legit or is he likely to quit? And this is definitely a guy that you can still go out and get on the cheap. Again, uh, the same thing I said about Teddy Bridgewater. It's legit, but you know what you're going to get. Is he the boom or nothing? Is he the full points or 17 points? Deshaun Jackson 2.0. I can remember, see that. Remember how you used to feel I about Deshaun Jackson in Philadelphia? Either he's going to go to your refrigerator and come back, and he's going to have 15 points. Like, damn, what happened? That's or, the same way I feel about Tyler Lockett. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Seriously. I mean, it's just like, as a wide receiver three, though, I, I almost prefer to have the guy that may pop off and get me 25 points any given week versus the guy that's going to get me – you're going to get me nine or ten points every week for sure. I'm not going to have any pop-off. You're, ne- you're never going to win me a week. Like In that wide receiver three spot, especially due to the lack of efficiency in general, normally uh, speaking of wide receiver, I don't mind having necessarily a boomer bust guy as long as my, my wide receiver one is the, you know, the cup, the Adams, the, the guy that is in his bust weeks, he's going to get what most wide receivers get on their good weeks, so. That that's kind of how I look at that. I mean, yeah, the guy I'm, runs a four two, so he should have yeah. forty yards a catch. What you think, Joe? I think with rugs, I don't know. He reminds me of like like Marquise Brown and how how Holly was doing mm, really yep. good. But I think he really need Renfro to be hurt to really take off because right now this is still Waller's team. He was still heavily targeted, even though he only caught five of them. So I would have him as a quit only for that reason. But I'm glad that he showed a vast improvement. But if I was a team that had like maybe five, four running back or like five wide receivers, four running backs, I would definitely take a flyer on him because a lot of bye weeks are going to come into play relatively right. soon. And he'll definitely pay dividends around that time. Absolutely. And during bye, and I'm glad you brought up bye weeks, Joe, because in bye weeks, if I have a boomer bus guy, I'm more than willing to put that boomer bus guy out there versus just having a, you know, a run of a mill bench guy who's probably going to go out there and get me eight points, but I know he won't get me two points. Like, that's not how I, I run through my bye weeks because normally in bye weeks, you're, you're more likely to take an L than you are when you have all your studs running. So those are the weeks that you definitely want to shoot for the moon and see if you can possibly still put up the same point. Though. That's just one of those you know, strategy type deals. We have Daryl Williams and Daryl Henderson. Both Daryls are putting up points. Um, at this point, Daryl Williams with Kansas City, he is putting himself in position to be the 1A running back even when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comes back because he's been he's just a little bit more efficient they, they know what they're going to get they don't have to worry about him losing yards they don't worry they don't have to worry about him getting stopped on the goal line etc uh, but he had 21 attempts 62 yards two touchdowns and the team in totality only had 28 running attempts so he definitely had the lion's share. Um, so we do know while CEH is on the shelf, um, we actually have what appears to be a three down back um, that's going to be in there on a high powered offense. So we have Daryl Williams. Then we have Daryl Henderson, who had 21 attempts, 78 yards, two touchdowns, uh, one rushing and one receiving. 
Um, and then he was two of three as far as receiving was concerned for 29 yards in the 38-11 to 11 win over the Giants as far as the Rams were concerned. So what say you guys as far as these two running backs are concerned? Legit or quit? Uh, they both are legit due to the scheme. When have you ever seen an Andy Reid running back not successful? Whether it's, Ka- whether it's Kareem Hunt, uh, Brian Westbrook, I mean, just go on. Uh, Damian on and Williams. On. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be successful. You're going to be put in position to, to you know, be successful is what I'm saying. So, I definitely think he's, legit, you know, schematically. Same for Darrell Henderson. Um, talked about him a few weeks back. I mean, McVay, they put him in position to score. They actually throw him, even throw him the ball out the backfield also. He's receiving. Yeah. So, um, I think both of these guys are legit. And if you can't get them, go for them, man, for sure. Hey, Joe, let me ask you this as it pertains to Henderson. Um, Henderson is one of those running backs that tends to get a little nicked up. The fact that they are kind of using him as a workhorse, does that lend itself to wanting to stash Shoney Michelle? Because in all likelihood, the same as uh, we were saying about uh, Chris Carson, in all likelihood, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of whether or not you have the backup when it does. If you had Collins, then you were able to uh, get the fruit of that seed, if you will, that was planted. The same thing with Henderson. I mean, he stays nicked up. He's great when he's in there. But do you think that Sony Michelle is going to be worth a stash based on how they're using Henderson? Or do you think he can actually withstand the workload? Oh, no, I'm definitely like you. I would have to stash uh, Michelle just to be on the safe side. He's been fairly durable, but like you said, just how he runs and how elusive he is, he leaves himself susceptible to great hits. He's not one of those backs that strafe away from contact. He still goes towards it. So I'd have to have a backup because of that upside. Um, With Darrell Williams, quickly, I love him. And I think he's almost like Larry Johnson, another chief who played there. Similar builds, uh, similar style running. So CH, I don't know. Like you said, like like Van said, it's a 1A, 1B. man. I really think that that's going to be the case. And perfect segue into this last running back group here. 1A, 1B seems to be what the Broncos are heading towards. Um, This past week, we had Javante Williams with... 11 rushing attempts for 53 yards. He had three receptions uh, for a total of 15 yards. We had Melvin Gordon with 10 attempts, 50 rushing yards, three receptions, 23 yards. This thing is literally split right down the middle. If there had been an even number of attempts, it probably would have ended up being, you know, 12 to 12 or 10 to 10. This really seems like the Broncos trust Williams just as much as they trust Gordon and barring a Gordon injury I think they'll probably attempt to keep both fresh and continue to play them this way but if Melvin Gordon gets hurt is another one of those running backs that normally is has some type nicked up injury Javante can go off um I mean they they, they're showing that they're very similar as far as backs uh, are concerned, they get roughly the same stats when given the same amount of attempts. Even in the receiving game, which where we thought Williams may kind of be deficient, if you will, in comparison to Gordon. But the legit or quit that I'm looking at here is not looking at each individual running back. It's Is it legit that they're going to be a tandem? Or do we think that the tandem is going to quit and Javante is going to take over as the lead back at some point in time in fantasy season? And that's an investment that you want to make before it happens. So is it legit that they're a tandem and will continue half and half? 
or is Javante in the process of taking over? I think it's legit their tandem until maybe an injury happens. But also, if one doesn't happen, I think they're just going to switch switch roles. So yeah, they're tandem, but I think Javante going to move into the front seat and let Gordon play the back seat. Uh, you know how they first came out, and it's maybe what a seventy thirty. 65, 35. I think it'd be like that. So I think, yeah, it'd be a tandem. But I think Javante may be going to take the lead. He probably won't be the workhorse, but he'd be the actual lead of the committee. So I can definitely well see that happening. Yeah, this is reminding me a lot of Gus Edwards and Dobbins situation. So I think it is legit that they're going to be a tandem. I don't want to say that. But I do think Javante would definitely take a hold once they get their franchise quarterback. Gordon might not get re-signed, more likely than not, following the following season. So they're definitely a tandem for right now. Heading into our tight ends, we have Tyler Higby, who caught all five of his targets, only 36 yards. He was second to Cooper Cup in receptions on the team, um, but currently he only has two touchdowns on the year. Um, the fact that he is actively being targeted in the game and he is consistently a part of the game plan, does that make him a legit tight end in the world of, you know, topsy-turvy tight ends and you never really know what's going to happen unless you have one of the top guys? Or do we believe that he's just on a road to being less and less important? Uh, I don't think he's a top tight end. <laughs> to be honest with you. No, no, no. He's definitely not. What I'm saying is because he isn't and we lump him in with those guys that aren't top tight ends is he okay based on the fact that he's a part of the game plan or do we think that things can actually get worse than what they have been is what i'm asking i mean don't expect no more than five six seven points from this guy in a mm-hmm. nutshell if you look at whatever you feel about that that how you should look at him i mean so yeah he's lumped in with those other guys uh, the name is sexier the offenses look the offense looks better but stafford ain't really looking this guy away like that i mean some of the guys, some of the games that you see, he did have the higher targets. They were teams that was bad against the tight end, like the New York Giants, where he had the five targets. True. And they just like one of the worst in the league against uh, the tight end. But Seattle, a team that's actually pretty decent, he had two targets. So I think it's going to really be about the matchup per se, but. That makes sense. He's just a name. You know how long we've been waiting for Tyler Higby? It's been since he's been in the league. People are comparing this guy to Kelsey coming out, and I haven't seen it yet. I think we have we will never see it because if you can't get off with this nucleus of talent around you and this quarterback, you're just not who they say you are or who they thought you were. He's just an extension of the concepts that the zone uh, offense allows you to. So it's like it's one of the things like if concepts wise, if you're able to stop this, then he's able to be open because Henderson had a great game as well. And that kind of like I say, he's just an extension of the scheme McVay has. Uh, he has talent, but like like to Van's point. I don't I don't trust it. The stuff that we are able to see is one of those things is if you stop this, he's open kind of thing. I don't think it's one of those things like like he's like a Kelsey or a Waller or, you know, someone like that, that they get open. It's like he's a product of the system, so to speak. We have TJ Hawkinson, who caught eight of his 11 targets, 74 yards, and he's pretty much the only pass catcher that they have worth mentioning at the moment. Amon Ross St. Brown caught a few balls this past week, um, but not very many yards were gained from it. But um, right now, T.J. Hawkinson and um, 
DeAndre Swift are kind of the best pass catchers. However, if you're looking at a PPR situation, eight for 74 is right in the pocket. That's what you need. So he's he's getting you your double digits that close to 20 points that he was able to accumulate for you. So from that perspective, he's doing pretty decent. If you're in a standard league, not so much. But how do we feel about TJ Hawkins? I know a couple of weeks ago, Vander, you were saying that, you know, teams are kind of starting to bracket him and because they know he's the only game in town, which is completely, you know, killing golf's value and as well as his. But right. it seems in this game, he was able to get loose slightly, no touchdown. Though. I still feel that way because the three games prior to that, we didn't see anything. So, yeah, he was able to get the eight targets. Uh, I mean, the 11 targets and eight catches this, this game. But before that game, three games of nothing. You know what I mean? So I think teams still going to come out and do the same. It makes sense. I mean, we're, we're losing Tyrell Williams, losing Cephas. And I mean, if Armand St. Brown's the number one target or the number one wide receiver, like, come on, it's a no brainer. So I definitely see TJ Hawkins. He has the name. The name is people thought he was going to have a big year. I would have sold this guy early if I could have, you know what I'm saying? Especially after those two breakout games. I agree. Beginning of the season, I would have sold him early if I could have. But I don't, to me, again, he's no more than a Higby. In my eyes, I mean, when it comes to these tight ends, it's Kelsey, real big gap than everybody else. I mean, then you have the Kittle, the Andrews, and then it's a bigger gap right there. And then I think Hawkinson is here with KB and the rest of the guys. I think I like Schultz. I like Knox. I like these guys over his name, over him. He has a bigger name. Yep. So he has the bigger name per se. And if you can, I mean, I don't think nobody probably won't buy right now. But if you have a really tight end needy team, then somebody will buy the name for sure. Five weeks yeah. and stuff coming up and you know people get a little right. shaky about just picking somebody out the trash heap and hoping for the mm-hmm. best um, but just they prefer to run with the name that they know even if that name has has put up the right. same numbers as the guy on the trash heap but like we've been saying for for weeks schultz and knox these guys were on the heap yep exactly you know what i mean so these are the guys that you could have got for free and sell the name you know what i mean just like i've been saying just like the waller i would sell the name and, and try to give me something else yeah, I think with uh, Hawkinson, it's also, too, like he just needs to sit out a few games. Like he's really playing through a, a knee injury, and it's just it's not working out. And similar, too, like to another point, like he had a 33-yard catch that he caught in the same game. But had the defender deflected it, what would we be saying about his stat line? So yes, I don't think this <laughs> – so I think with him, it's like – Sit him down. I, I I love when players try to play through stuff, Antonio Gibson's like that, but it's like you're more of a detriment to your team right now than you are, you know, because just like to the point, like nowadays with these tight ends, you're getting triple covered, man. You're getting bumped off the line. You got somebody that's going to – a linebacker's going to play you and then pass you off to the safety. And now some depending on how big the cornerback is, we see Ramsey play these tight ends. So it's a new game. So he's not really doing nothing but hindering his team. Like I said, I would try to sell the name because I'm not a fan of this knee injury. And I think, you know, at some point, especially position he plays, it's going to lead to a significant injury this season. And that about wraps up the show. If you have any questions or concerns, again, on Twitter, fantasy underscore fiend, IG, fantasy football fiend. And on Facebook, the Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. So you'll hear from us again on probably Friday morning. We normally record the shows on Thursday. We'll get everything out to you. Make sure that you are ready to listen to that. And we out.